Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I'm here with... Francesco Nepitello. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to talk about The One Ring, Ruins of the Lost Realm. Um, this is the, the first setting book for the One Ring series, second edition. Am I am I correct? Yes, you are. If you don't count the, the, the Lord Master screen, so it's the first supplement out. And uh, it is... Um, maybe not exactly a setting book. Um, it's uh, it's a new formula that we we decided to to follow for the One Ring Second Edition compared to what happened with First Edition, where we had more of a split between adventure books and and setting books. This is a bit of a mixed bag, and we can and we can see exactly in detail. <laughs> okay, if if, if um. So when you say a setting and an adventure, um, so like these are, these are uh, each chapter has um, information about a certain part, a certain region of the world, and there is um, uh, an adventure attached to it toward the end. Is that how am I understanding it? Well, it's um, the the goal of of the the of this book is to pack as much as useful information as playable stuff that we could. Uh, let's say that in, in several decades of role-playing myself, um, I always, um, I grew uh, dissatisfied with many of the, the supplements that were created for the games that I liked. Uh, not all of them, of course, but uh, too often there was a tendency of uh, stuffing books with, with fluff, with stuff that uh, is supposed to um, to be used by the game master especially to create their own stuff but uh, very much leaving the game master to its own devices to their own devices to 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 do that uh, where uh, with the weird ruins of the lost realm we created a, a sandbox supplement something that has uh, stuff that is ready to play it's it's a number of modular elements that can be taken and just placed uh, during your campaign uh, in basically in any order desired. Plus, there are chapters in the opening of the book that are uh, what could be considered more setting chapters, uh, populating and and giving life to to Eriador, to the to, to the lone lands of Eriador. And, uh, but still, again, in a way that is very usable, use, uh, usable immediately with giving you characters, giving you uh, a timeline of events that, that in, in a way they create a more dynamic setting than simply just talking about uh, old history or uh, giving details that uh, har can hardly be used in an adventure just because uh, it is generally interesting for anyone interested in the Lord of the Rings, for example, to have more details. Uh, sometimes you people can think that mm, there, there's never enough detail. Uh, <laughs> and so anything is well anything is welcome. Uh, but I feel that sometimes doing that ends up drowning the, the really useful stuff in a sea of unnecessary details. Um, and if you, if you, for example, look at the, at the Lord of the Rings itself, the story that is a very detailed story, uh, it never goes too far 
in giving details that are not useful to, to the story. Uh, in that case, it is the story that matters. In our case, what matters is the, the setting for, for the characters. So I can make an example. Some people, for example, are interested in, in um, making uh, a study on how many people could live in Eriador at the time of the Third Age compared to the Second Age, for example, or uh, simply different centuries in, in the Third Age than the, the setting date, for example, for the Lord of the Rings. But that's something that is really uh, relatively interesting. I mean, it's you never hear uh, Tolkien state such precise numbers in the books. Uh, it occurs that sometimes numbers are given, for example, for the mastering of, of Rohan when they move, uh, when they ride to, to, to Gondor and help the Siege of Minas Tirith. But uh, these are just, these are extremely useful numbers because you have to imagine the army of Theoden King riding to, to, to the help of, of Stuart Denethor. But uh, otherwise, why should I know that a village has uh, 350 souls mm. if it is not simply something that can be uh, said by describing the village and the number of houses you see and stuff like that? So we, we try to keep a more uh, first-person perspective, something that is not an out-of-the-world perspective seen from above, uh, even if sometimes this, this means displeasing some of those more scholarly types that are interested in that type of speculation. But for me, also being a fan of, of, of Tolkien, that type of speculation is borderline with fan fiction because uh, you, you often don't have enough information to, to, to draw those conclusions. So we try to stay more on the border of that, but still giving you useful information. Mm. Uh, not to go too off topic, but I, I I agree with you. There's a lot of interesting things about the the Lord of the Rings series where it looks like Tolkien, when it comes to like for example language, it's very detailed, very much about that. But other things like you want to know about the Blue Wizards, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but I I I think in a way that's great for uh, for creators like yourself to uh, get a chance to flesh out something and create something for fans that kind of want to know more, but there's no way of actually knowing more from the the actual the actual lore. When we talk about settings, we're talking about Eriador mm -hmm. mostly. Am I am I correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it's it. So it, I assume that each chapter focuses on a certain part. Maybe uh, I'm just gonna make a wild guess because I haven't seen the book yet. Uh, like maybe uh, the Shire, and then maybe a little bit on the Breed. Okay. Land. Okay. I can I can give you the general uh, gist of it. The mm -hmm. the you know the challenge with the book was to make Eriador interesting. Uh, because we knew from the beginning that uh, there are potentially more interesting areas to, to explore. I mean, I did uh, a different choice when uh, I, I wrote uh, the One Ring First Edition uh, by moving uh, the focus of, of the uh, geographical setting and historical setting to um, Wilderland because Wilderland was a more vibrant, more dynamic setting with different uh, folks uh, interacting with each other, elves and dwarves and, and, and Man of Dale and, and Asgaroth and so on. So it's, it, it was a realm coming back to life after a long 
uh, lull in uh, under the threat of the of, of smog the dragon so it was incredibly interesting from the point of view of creating a sort of uh, proactive uh, dynamic in the adventures so having characters becoming uh, heroes and 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 trying to carve their own to write their own saga in in a place that is populated with a lot of different actors uh, but at the same time hasn't a story that is has been decided already because it's one of those very big gray areas in in the books we know something about that area from the hobbit and we know something from the lord of the rings but there is a huge gap between the two that leave left le um, allowed us to be very free in in filling it uh, in Ariador, apparently there's not there's not that sort of interesting dynamic because it's the Longland. <laughs> it's the Longlands. It's something that is described basically empty of anything of interest, but ruins and barrows and this incredible exception that is the Shire uh, placed in the middle of it. But since we were looking for a change of pace, a change of mood, and to advance also the, the timeline of the game towards the War of the Rings, so towards the, 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 the years where the, the, the Lord of the Rings story is set, that if you remember, uh, the, the, the first edition of the game was set around the, the end of the Hobbit story, and that's 2941. Uh, the game was set in 2946, so five years after that story. And the Lord of the Rings happens after, in the first decades of the year, 3000. So it's 70 years apart. Mm. Uh, but since we decided to shift the focus and also move the timeline, uh, now the, the year is 2965. And we're getting closer to the mood of the Lord of the Rings. So uh, leaving the optimistical mood that was there at the beginning of the, of, of the stories to be told in first edition um, and and the lowlands were the right place because it's a it's a very melancholic region uh, that is mainly characterized by things that happened in the past so ruins and and relics and and, and old old lore and i think that uh these provided us with something that is very charged in terms of, of, uh, of mood uh, because it is really part of what the Lord of the Rings is. The Lord of the Rings is all about uh, uh, some uh, sort of golden age that was lost. Uh, Aragorn is the, 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 the heir of a, of a lost line of kings and with no realm left. And, and the hobbits just live in the middle of this sea of, of things lost. And so we wanted to, to bring out that. Uh, but of course, at the same time, we needed people. And, and the Lone Lands, as described by, by Tolkien, seemed to be even unreasonably lone and deserted. And so uh, with, uh, with Gareth Hanrahan, we started to, 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 to conjecture how this area could be so desolate uh, and how instead it could be simply that uh, the, 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 the settlements and the, the inhabitants of the place could be just outside the perception of uh, the characters that are uh, uh, the protagonists of the stories in the Lord of the Rings or they were just simply sidelined by main history. 
And so that was what uh, what Gareth has done. He, we took uh, everything that we could uh, use as a hint, as as a seed to to be nurtured, you know, uh, to create a new uh, a new uh, non canonical story, but still that was told in a way that is absolutely canonical. And and Garrett was perfect for this because, of course, he knows his stuff. He knows his Tolkien. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the beginning, we discussed together a few of the things that uh, we wanted to to have there. And without spoiling anything, we created a number of of, uh, storylines that are going to make the Lowlands very lively. Mm. (laughs) And and again, we are faced with the same situation that was with first edition, because uh, by having this sort of a sandbox, this place where Tolkien just said something, but not enough, and we're filling those details, but not enough to tell you already a story. We're giving you the tools to create your own and to be free about it. Uh, It's funny, it's interesting because Gareth took one line from The Hobbit that is one of those passing lines that you don't really pay any attention to, where Gandalf was asking uh, Bilbo to join him in his adventure. And uh, and Bilbo uh, said, you need here. No, uh, Gandalf said uh, that he would need warriors to do that. But all the warriors are busy fighting wars elsewhere. Hmm. And so Gareth asked himself, where are these warriors? And where what wars are is Gandalf talking about? And so... Uh, he took some of the of those small tidbits and and built something that is that is interesting again. Like the the we did the same thing with the woodman in in Wilderland. Uh, we took some f- sentences, some phrases to 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 think why are the woodmen uh, not discussed enough in the Lord of the Rings, where they seem to have a prominent position in the Hobbit because they're told as being a a big. Uh, a, a big folk living in the Anduin Vale. And so we just said, instead of discarding this as some change of mind in, in Tolkien's uh, work, uh, we just said, let's imagine something that can explain that. And the same thing is happening with Eredor. The, 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 the information that is provided in the book is exactly to give you that, to give you the tools to create uh, a number of adventures that deal with what happened in Eriador between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings to explain the fact that there's no folk, for example, coming to the aid of Rohan or Gondor from there. But maybe if the the deeds of the player characters are going in a different way, there might be something uh, in a new alternate version of the Lord of the Rings where actually folk from Londire, for a renovated Londire kingdom, come to the aid of Helm's Deep. (laughs) <laughs> during the, the battle for Rowan. So again, we're in the same place. And I think that Gareth has made a fantastic job in creating believable characters and believable, believable cultures there. Uh, and, and I was also happy to see again, as it happened with, with um, the Darkening of Mirkwood, that some ideas, some things that I wanted to see in Eriador, uh, there's a plot concerning some of the most popular villains in in uh, in the books that are the black Numenorians that are connected to to the to the area or chapter that i really wanted to to be there and, and garrett made them some unforgettable villains to 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 be played in a campaign hmm. 
Um, let's talk about the the arc direction a little bit. Is the the direction very similar to uh, what just came out with a core rulebook? Uh, was there any changes whatsoever? No, no, the, the art direction is the same. Uh, we are trying, uh, as far as, for example, the, the cover art is concerned, uh, we are keeping the same alternate, alternation between uh, the drawings done in a, in a conceptual art type of style for the color pieces and more descriptive pencil art instead for characters and scenes. Uh, so we have chapter dividers and the covers that are done by Antonio De Luca again, like in uh, like for uh, the core. Uh, well, no, the core. Most of the art was the color art was done by Martin Grip, but now we have Antonio De Luca who has taken uh, the task of doing the same thing. So the, um, painting uh, images that are in the style of Martin Grip, so they continue to have this moody and dark type of of art that you can see clearly from the from the cover showing the gigantic ruins of the, the of the bridge of Tarbad and a boat passing under their shadow and and also the art inside is again by Antonio with the same mood in mind and the pencil pieces are by the team uh, that worked on the core and 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 the portraits by Jan Pospisil who's who's amazing in doing the things that we needed and is uh, creating uh, characters that, are, that believably uh, are part of a culture uh, by their clothing and, and, and hairstyle and everything. So uh, eventually, supplement after supplement, I think that we are going to create a sort of a visual guide to Middle Earth that uh, being so consistent, be using the same artist and by referencing real world cultures and so on, are going to uh, to redefine uh, the, the the look, for example, of Eriador. Uh, it's no it's no easy task because too often in role playing games, artists are a mixed uh, group of people with different influences and different styles, and what uh, this creates the problem that there is no consistency between uh, the different art. So you, you miss what could be the world you're playing in, in a consistent way. And instead of having uh, artists referencing each other and referencing real world influences connected to the sources, uh, we're thinking, we think we're doing exactly that, giving you a chance to visualize. Uh, and also the visualiz visualization is from our point of view, it's important that it's our own. It's not slavishly reproducing the movies, for example. What is the 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 uh, the tone of the adventures? Would you say it's it's similar to maybe to the to the beginner box set? Would you say um, it's similar to maybe something previous like Merkwood, uh, the Merkwood campaign? Um, would, um, how would you describe the tone of the game? Oh, well, I I forgot to 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 finish to say exactly the structure of the book because. Uh, we can say that the book is divided in two parts, even if it's not two halves, uh, it's but two different moments. The first chapters are exactly the, 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 the what we call the setting setting part that are equally devoted to, to, to geography, but even more to, to events. So what, what can possibly happen in, in, the, in years after the beginning of the campaign? So the, these are tools for, for the for the lore master to, to weave those events with the 
the activities of the of the players so that they will be part of the evolving story of, of Eriador. But the second part that is possibly the more consistent one is landmarks. We took this uh, example from, from the Forbidden Lands role-playing game by, by, by Free League, uh, where that I loved a lot uh, as an idea because it answered my need as a GM for a type of adventure material that didn't require me to one, read tens of, of pages to read someone else's story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then to be forced to play it in a, in a sort of an established way. Uh, so first part, second part, and so on. So uh, in Ruins of the Lost Realm, you have uh, landmarks that are exactly that. They are places. So the, uh, the, play, the playable part, the gameplay material is connected to a specific place. But of course, the specific place is not just a map. Of a, of a ruin or, or a castle or a village. It's actually a place with a story, with some old lore connected to it, with some current events connected to it. So what you do uh, with those landmarks is just to parse through them. You, you as, a, as a lore master, you, you choose which ones are taking a ride. I, um, maybe because you're, maybe because you're a company of characters are at the moment traveling across uh, towards the mountains and and you check out the the, the landmarks chapter and you see there's one about the dunadan ruin on the mountains so you say okay that's that could be a good place and also they're connected to the game mechanics because there's a part during the fellowship phase in the one ring second edition when you can gather rumors you can uh, listen to what people are talking about in the area and that's the cue for the lore master to feed you with, with uh, information about the place that could be nearby. And the landmarks, some of them are uh, canonical. For example, we have a description of Weathertop, uh, the Tower of Amunsul. And, but some of them can be uh, shifted um, to, to, to just uh, conform to your own campaign. But in any case, the sandbox element is that because uh, the, 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 the description for Amon Sul for Weathertop could be used at any point during your campaign. It's not connected to someone bursting through the door of your inn and saying someone has been kidnapped and they escaped to, to, to Weathertop. It is because maybe you're playing that because you are passing on the on the east-west road and you see Weathertop and your characters say, mm, could be a good idea to go there. Or because you were in Brie and you heard some stories about that during the fellowship phase, gathering rumors. So what I think that we did, what we accomplished with ruins is exactly what, what I wanted in the beginning. And so to have something that is there, it's easy to read, is exciting because it's not 300 pages of dry lore. It's involving, engaging information that are immediately connected can be Im immediately connected by the lore master to what is happening in in their own campaign uh either because as i said the company is passing through a specific area or because they met someone that could be connected to that like a dwarf and you have a, a dwarf mine in the landmarks and so on it's it's a toolbox and and we try to maximize the the the, the usability of that mm -hmm. are there any uh, you know, you know how uh, uh, buyers can be. They 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 always like to hear about like options. Is there are there do you, in this book? Are there like uh, 
NPCs, items, um, uh, new monsters? Are there anything like that that they can expect? Yeah, yeah, there are stuff. There's stuff like that uh, as um, because again, all the landmarks are supposed to work like that to be dropped in your campaign and be played. So you don't have to. So you don't just get the map um of of weather top but you get some some playable stuff some information some non-player characters or monster so yes they are absolutely complete uh from that point of view and uh what i really like is the fact that uh that's exactly the type of information that is needed to to uh, enhance the, the structure of the game uh, made of a fellowship phase and an adventuring phase. Because uh, when you play the, your adventuring phase and then you have your fellowship phase, the fellowship phase is providing a lot of information to the, to the lore master exactly to think what to do next. And by connecting this to, to a supplement like Ruins, that doesn't force you to, to, to think too much ahead. Uh, okay, this adventure is going to be next, the next one because uh, of this or because of that. But giving you this freedom, in the end, when you have played through a number of landmarks and a number of events in the story, you are creating a campaign that is very similar in, in result as what we accomplished with the Darkening of Mirkwood. Uh, for first edition, so the a more open campaign that is very much reliant on the actions of the characters rather than a pre-written story. Oh, of course, yeah, I forgot to say there's a there's a very nice map by Francesco Mattioli, the same guy who made the uh, the maps for the core, hmm. and and it's a map of Tarbad, uh, one of the most famous uh, cities in, uh, in, in, in Eriador that used to be uh, a Numenorean uh, haven on the river and so on. And again, Gareth weaved a fantastic story about the, the situation. And again, building on, on very few sparse sentences by Tolkien because the city seems to, be, to have been abandoned like 60, 60 years before uh, the start of the game. But we asked ourselves, Okay, but what does this mean? Uh, 60 years is not 600 years. And so is everyone just disappearing from the city like that? Mm. Or uh, it is considered to be deserted because it is outside of uh, recorded history. And so maybe something happened for a few decades there that uh, is worth telling as a story. And so, yeah, again, uh, that was exactly what, what Gareth has done with that. And and. And the map, I think, is an amazing one. We studied hard what, what happened in uh, in uh, uh, in Tarbad in the different uh, decades and ages before. And so Francesco, that is Francesco Mattioli, the, the art the artist that he he was in charge of making. Uh, he's still working on all the maps for Joe Deaver's World of Magnamund. So he's a super expert in, in designing believable cities. So he spent a lot of time in thinking, since, since the city was flooded, uh, he spent a lot of time in, in uh, recreating uh, the layout of a city that was uh, flooded. So which parts of the city could be still accessible? Uh, the flooding was decades ago, so possibly that uh, now the water is out. But what's the difference? So, so there's this nice uh, separate map that comes with the supplement that is 
is to to be added to the great maps for for the Lord of the Rings. What is what is next after this? Um, I believe I heard a rumor about the uh, fifth edition version, uh, Avengers of Middle Earth, uh, uh, second edition or fifth edition coming out uh, shortly on Kickstarter. Mm, uh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, it's been announced, so it's official. Uh, you're going to get uh, the Lord of the Rings role-playing game. That's the, the official name for the One Ring 5th edition, the version of the One Ring for 5th edition. And and also a Shire Adventures book that is uh, the result of combining the stuff that we gave in the starter set for the One Ring into one book for, for 5e. And so, yeah, that's done. That's in, um, I think it's been printed or very, very close to that. It's not going to be a Kickstarter. It's going to be a pre-order. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy about that because I I was involved in that part. I mean, of course, in this case, uh, it is a direct port of the One Ring. So, uh, it is up to to the fans to decide what they want to do with it if they if they already have the one ring, because what you're going to get is by far and large the same stuff, same mm. words in there. Uh, apart, of course, from everything that is mechanically connected to to the system, and so we worked uh, to redesign um, the five E version, and so this is not based on what previously appeared for five E. And and uh, what I wanted to achieve with that was exactly to do this. So to do something that is as close as possible and experience uh, with 5e that replicates what you get with the One Ring. That on one side might seem nonsensical because if you already have the One Ring, why should you play something that plays so exactly mm-hmm. like the same? But that's for the fans of 5e, for the people that play 5e, that prefer to play 5e on uh, over anything else. And that's understandable i mean we we know that dungeons and dragons is by far the the most popular role-playing game out there the most accessible one in terms of availability and it's easy to find a group it's easy to find people that just play that so i'm i was happy to to uh to try and do something with the with the five year rules that uh, was as close as possible to what we did with the warring i played i i designed that with uh michele garbugio that is uh, our local 5e expert, mm. and and Jacob Jacob Rogers, who was also in the past working on on 5e and worked on the uh, excellent Simbarum 5e version. So mm. we we are uh, anxious to see uh, what will be the reception. I think that the uh, the books look gorgeous. Uh, inside are very close to what the, the One Ring is, but yeah, there's some fantastic covers by Antonio De Luca, both for the core and the Shared Adventures book. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us about uh, the, <laughs> the this book. And um, again, I'll put a link to, in, the, um, in the description below when the, I'll put a pre-order. Um, it, it should be out. It's actually, it should be out for Kickstarter, for those who backed it, the Kickstarter, they should be they should be getting their copies now, and then the they're getting their copies now. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we've seen some pictures of of copies out in the wild, yeah. <laughs> being received by <laughs> being received. Yeah, unfortunately, that's been that's a deliver uh, the delivery of the, that has been plagued by by the current 
mm. uh, problems with the with distribution all over the world. Mm. Luckily, by the way, Free League was really wise in in stockpiling uh, the paper necessary for that, and for example, so the paper for for five E. So mm. we are late, but there there's other publishers that will be will have bigger delays uh because luckily free league was 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 uh forward thinking about this mm. um all right excellent it will be out for the general public in sometime october november okay all right excellent. i think it's already it's already can be already ordered i think for mm. uh from the website uh so yeah it's available oh. All right, excellent, excellent. Well, again, thank you very much, and and to our You're and to our viewers, um, stay safe out there. We'll see you next time.